Madame et Monsieur, écoutez bien. Welcome to Fashion Mode with Charles Daniel MacDonald on World Radio Paris and Monaco. Brought to you in association with Force Magazine. Bonjour and welcome to Fashion Mode. This is the Primetime Fashion Show for World Radio France, brought to you in association with Force Magazine. I'm Charles Daniel MacDonald and I'll be hosting the show exclusively for the WRP Network. Coming up in today's show, I'll be carrying on with my comprehensive review of the recent European menswear ready to wear collections for spring-summer 2024, which took place across London, Milan and including with Paris. From the Titanic shows such as Pharrell's star-strewn debut at Louis Vuitton and Kim Jones's fifth anniversary at Dior, who wears Bonner's sophomore physical presentation in La Ville Lumière, and Ludovic Sanser means much anticipated for show since his sudden departure from Andy Mulmister, was set to be a week of glamour and the most inventive fashion. Following the sudden departure of Ludovic Sansermin at the helm of Andy Mulmister, mere months after presenting his debut collection for the cult Belgian brand, all eyes were on the namesake label show, which yesterday closed out Paris Fashion Week men's. Among those who turned out to see what many anticipated would be a statement of revenge, with a bevy of industry bigwigs, from Racons and Olivier Rostan to Daniel Rosebery and Karine Reutfeld. The presence of each amounting to a significant declaration of support. Rather than lean into expectations to deliver a clapback collection though, Ludovic instead decided to adamantly remind his audiences of his fundamental values as a designer. The ethics of poetic elegance, unabashed sensuality and queer advocacy that formed the foundations of the house since he founded six years ago. Set in the stately courtyard of the Musée d'Archives in the Marais, it opened with a suite of mermaid gowns and silks in gossamer Japanese tweeds, conjuring up a sense of fresh summery romance. Open front button-down shirts and white paddling trousers in the same artisanal fabrics cleverly carried the sensibility over onto the menswear front, with a key through line between the two being the subtle restrictive, hand-clasping white grass pieces created in collaboration with New York jewellery-based Vohonier, each a refined reminder of the implicit erotic change of the act of restraint. Elsewhere, the brand's accessories were offering built-through, new patents and cross-body iterations of the cleavage bag, its signature eyewit-trimmed baguettes, while the indulgent shimmer and sparkle that's now an LDS's hallmark came through in a suite of Swarovski crystal mesh, sash, tote bags, and full-length skirts, each handcrafted by Ludovic himself. All in all, it was a collection that was confident, and despite the storm clouds that have swirled overhead, the house of Ludovic saint Sermin still stands strong. Hermé, and a collection of soft and sweet as summer breeze, stirred by a tender strength. This is how Hermé poetically described his latest menswear collection, designed by fashion's longest-serving creative director, Veronique Minifian. This year she will celebrate 35 years at the world's most iconic luxury house, and her tenure is due in part to her tire's reinvention of classic menswear, alongside her ability to infuse it with youthful ease and lightness, so even the simplest of suits is never boring. 
Instead, as the spring-summer 24 collection showed, it can be breezy, cut from technical parchment-like fabric, on as light as chiffon, worn with an open shirt over a gossamer silk vest, and chunky fisherman sandals. On the other hand, it can be broken up, paired with possessable parasol-striped blousons, or latent mesh skirts akin to grown-up string vests. The possibilities are endless share me, and this is a house that doesn't just make beautiful men's clothes, but it shows men how to wear them beautifully. At Loewe, and for the last few seasons, Jonathan Anderson has been meticulously scaling back on his shows in what he's been calling a reductionist act, a continuation of his deep dive into contemporary surrealism as a means to answering some of fashion's big, big questions. What is the purpose of a fashion show? Are clothes viewed online as opposed to in person? How does craft, a pillar of levy, evolve in a time of digital imagery? For his SS24 menswear collection, it came down to a play on perspective. Three Linda Belenji's fountains, some towering up to the ceiling, and others as low as a garden water feature, formed a splashy, splashy backdrop to a collection that he said made him play with the idea of a fisheye lens looking up at someone. And the result was perversely wasp. Weighted silhouettes with a shrunken torso and elongated legs, extending from the ribs down to the floor. The first few looks also riffed with those fountains, over tops and jeans entirely ablazoned with water drip-like crystals. These were colour matched with the fabric beneath. I think the sparkle gives you the idea of the solution when you see it on screen or in the flesh, Jonathan said. Roughed by fountains in the background, they shimmered in the midday light, pouring through the glass ceiling of the venue and offering a slightly jazzier counterpart to the Is It Leather variations of the wardrobe staples that have appeared in other collections in the past this year. Over at Kenzo, and given that his best mate Pharrell kicked off the week by shutting down a bridge in central Paris for an all-singing, all-dancing start to his tenure at Louis Vuitton, it felt fitting that Nigel should follow suit for his latest presentation for the LVMH stablemate Kenzo. Granted, this wasn't quite on the same scale as the LV extravaganza, which will forever be remembered as a watershed moment in fashion's metamorphosis into a form of an arena-level entertainment. This, however, was set on a footbridge that connects the Palais de Tokyo to the Eiffel Tower. It nonetheless made picture perfect and almost cheesily romantic Paris Fashion Week postcard moments. The collection that filled along the Passerera Debile was imbued with an echoing spirit of romantic kitsch, a note to city pop, the fusion of punk and boogie that defined the sound of Nigel's adolescence in Japan back in the 80s. Rather than overly literal nods, the designer set about reinterpreting the optimistic effect of the genre through poppy graphic transfers, all over logo prints, tailoring in billowing proportions, one pops of pink and muted blues. 
while characteristically Japanese garments were subjected to a process of sartorial code switching. Judo jackets were reimagined as workers' chore jackets and ancient wave motifs were recreated on indigo denims, sitting alongside squashed interpretations of the Kenzo logo by Verdi, the Japanese graphic artist and longtime contemporary of Naijo. Comme de Garçon Home Plus and for a collection entitled Beyond Reality, the foundation of Rei Kawakubo's latest offering for her Comme de Garçon Home Plus runway line was, perhaps surprisingly, quite prosaic. Indeed, rather than the conceptual weighty aesthetic, ciphers for the designer's naughty muslings and the mediations articulated in cloth. These are details that we so often expect from the Japanese avant-gardist. The collection's opening gambit comprised a suit of smart white-covered tailored black coats of varying length, sported over Bermuda shorts, mesh tunics and polished derby shoes. Peek beyond the sober pretenses set forth by these looks though, and the bizarre flair that the anecdotes and the brand flocked to it made themselves strongly fell. The voxels, for example, were doubled up as if crafted for a future human species that had evolved to have one foot cleaving out from the side or on top of another, while the hems of the shots were constructed from inverted waistbands. In order to find a new world, we have to go beyond reality, we wrote in her monoline show notes, a pithy indicator of her intention to scope out new possibilities beyond the tangible and the familiar, while choosing and manipulating the tangible and familiar to do that very job. This intention was further articulated by spliced wool blazers and morning coats that trailed with scrims of hair extensions, skirts that fastened and jacket jack that erupted into a mass of feather-like cut-offs, swim jackets with jutting, sawn-off shoulder panels and intentionally disproportionate silhouettes in an all-over grossy tropical foliage motifs. It was in the closing looks of the collection's titular theme was interpreted most literally, with a series of trompe-l'oeil, prints of striped shirts and historical military garments, alongside frescoes of stately wedding rooms and opulent curtain fringe theatres. Decorating double-breasted jackets, tailored t-shirts and wide-weave sweaters, all gesturing at the endless possibilities that lie beyond the first degrees of reality that first meet the eye. Here is all about clothes, and at the heart of it is the silhouette, the shape, the technique, and the fabrication of the very highest order can be explained, clearly keen to avoid any distractions. I like to think that in my five years of being here, I have not been forgotten. And indeed, Dior's menswear has boomed since his arrival, and his influence has been felt in the collections of so many designers, the streetwear and the woodchip artist collabs, the languid yet hourglass tailing, the typically feminine motifs, the locked up sportswear and the constant investigation of the archive to create a menswear wardrobe that rivals any women's wear counterparts. His winning formula has become ubiquitous among the industry both in menswear and in menswear. Even this week you can trace the diaphanous trousers, jaunty tailoring, floral brooches and charm-like accessories seen in many menswear collections back to Kim's studio, which is now responsible for producing more than a dozen collections a year for both dear men and Fendi women's wear.
On the mincemeat of things, at least, Matthew and William's tenure at Givenchy each season has generally come to be associated with a casual approach to luxury. A mainstay for men on the hunt of sleazy sweatshirts and drippy denims. The season, though, seems to have marked something of an about turn in the designer's approach, with the collection he presented at the Hotel National des Invalides, winning into highbrow sartorial and easy ranking as his most sophisticated offerings to date. Opening with a suite of amply cut double-breasted jackets and shawl lapel tuxedos worn over wide silky trousers, the tone set from the start was one of exacting elegance, albeit totally void of stuffiness. Granted, this elegant turn is highly a surprise from Matthew, who's tailoring both at Givenchy and at 1017AOYX9SM, is widely lauded as some of the sharpest around. That was well provided by an impeccably chic, long-lined sleeveless jumpsuits devoid of side seams, while generously proportioned wool greatcoats, front-pleated chino shorts and drop-clutch tailored trousers were imbued with an associant cool, making them feel intuitive, confidently subdued developments on the capricious street affair that Givenchy menswear fans flocked to the bland for. Those after something a little more conspicuous, though, will be pleased to see pieces like maxi t-shirts with giant eyelets, techy corseted harnesses and utility belt bags. Rick Owens, and for his spring-summer 24 menswear collection, Lido named after the location of his home near Venice. Rick Owens proposed a darkness that will fall soon. With an ominous and sombre energy, the first few looks began to cascade down the stairs at the Palais de Tokyo in Paris, featuring high clinched trousers. So long and sweeping, they fully cover the kiss boots beneath. Done in wool and leather, they were paired with grape cops that aggressively twisted around the torso, some in sleek matching weather, and others in airy shears that suggested a hidden lightness, but all, remarkably, in rich shades of black. The only pops of colour in the collection, in fact, came from fireworks set off over the central pool that sent bright yellow, blue and pink smoke dancing into the sky. This was meant to signify moments of joy within the darkness. With our world conditions under increasing threat, jubilance seems like the wrong note, but maybe it's the only correct moral response. Beyond being nice to each other, isn't personal joy where we are on earth to do? The designer asked in the show notes, Considering joy a moral obligation, I propose a grim, determined elegance, all in a formal restraint of the admittedly drama queen black. How one handles adversity is what defines one's character. And so we march on. Elsewhere in the collection, the sentiment is expressed in weather gloves shrugs. That zip me all the way up. Seems of strict with structured jackets and jutted shoulders and skinny knit hitches. Tops are grounded by oversized cargo pockets and light as a feather jackets that float around the body, catching the smoke still hanging in the air. What's interesting here, though, is that despite the very real and threatening world conditions we face today, for Rick, it's less about what one might wear to the end of the world and more about the armour-like wardrobe, literal or metaphorical, required to triumph through it. In padded shoulder jackets, we see a devilish sense of resilience, because in his world, even if we're under threat, as the world has been since dawn of time, humanity and morality will prevail and it will prosper. Isimayaki, and upon entering the Musée des Arts Décoratifs in Paris on a rainy Thursday morning, 
Guests were greeted by pastel-coloured t-shirts and tunics hung down from the ceiling in a perfectly askew clothesline. Look closely and you'll see Isimayaki's signature pleats, which the Japanese House 24 menswear offerings pay homage to in every day, one of a kind, now and hereafter, a collection which was centred upon refinement. To drive it home, the design team opened the show by rolling out a large sheet of rice paper across the gallery floor, silhouettes that mirrored those above emerging beneath as folds. At once they began cutting away the layers to reveal the season's separates, in soft shades meant to evoke the natural world. A light earthy cream, sea foam, pale citron and baby pink. Before dressing the models and the process of getting dressed, revealed the very fine potential and the pleated polyester, which were transformed in asymmetric rectangles with a new silhouette and a new series of horizontally pleated garments. The latter, and the idea of changing the direction of the home police plates, made possible only by years of experience, putting the technology to its bounds so that the garments can lightly bounce down the runway. however saw the official christening of Pharrell as a blue-chip fashion designer, at least in the eyes of the fashion industry. No longer a client, but now a creator. His collection opened with his take on the Louis Vuitton Damier canvas, which he reconfigured as a pixelated camel motif. He calls it damouflage and it's used across a plethora of menswear staples, in a myriad of textures, printed weathers, satins, intarsia mink, blue denim, knitted beanies, woven jackets, boucle tweeds, and of course bright primary coloured bags piled on generously. Sometimes it looked couture-like in its textured appliques, and other times like gamer-coded takes on a print beloved by young men and old. The fact that it has the chessboard set up, we could use the grid as a platform to play with, and use different artistic techniques, Varel said. I wanted to make a print that makes people say, OK, that's P, and that's Damier. This was not quite luxury, but interestingly, the collection had a focused refinement and a singularity to it. Stealth well for a different kind of billionaire, perhaps? Sure, there were a million ideas, but that's all fashion just now, and even the most classical trained designers churn out collections that are far-reaching and eclectic. What stood out were nods to some of the expressive styles of hip-hop, which officially turns 50 years old this year. There was a prideful joy in the opulence of the monogram furs, gold-toned luggage, bright-coloured speedy bags, which Fidel pointed out were originally a men's canvas bag before the house made a smaller version for Audrey Hepburn back in 65. Not forgetting debonair jazz-age tailoring, dotted with her neat brooches, most of it clearly paid homage to the legend who paved the way for Pharrell, like Dapper Dan of Harlem, who famously turned LV luggage into everything from clothes to car seats, as well as the late Virgil Abloh, Pharrell's predecessor at Vuitton. He left a lot of hits with the house, Pharrell explained, and as far as I'm concerned, 
and collaborating with his spirit. Any scepticism surely cast aside when the Voices of Fire Choir from Farrell's hometown of Virginia took to the catwalk and began singing and repeating the word joy, louder and louder, until the Pongleaf Bridge was close to vibration. From there, it only got bigger and indeed more joyful. At one point, a golf buddy with the word liberty emblazoned across it came out, piled high with Guitong trunks, and more of that seemed to be everywhere damouflage. A handful of women, such as Laia Kebede and Anna Lewis, were an unprecedented sight on the Louis Vuitton catwalk. This itself is a testament to Pharrell's ability to disrupt the powers that be LVMH, who don't usually like to blur the lines between a house's menswear and women's wear ambassadors. Also, case in point, Pharrell's first campaign stars Rihanna and her unborn baby. Nicholas Gaschieri, his women's wear counterpart, was there in full support. Perhaps a sign that somewhere, signs are changing. This is a win-win for couture and culture, GZ said, as he welcomed Farrell on stage to perform fronting with him after the show. And surely this is another first for an LVMH creative director. With culture, however, is more of a real question. And with the show, Farrell has blurred the lines between so many previously adjacent yet distinctive fields. Fashion, entertainment, design, luxury and celebrity. In doing so, he has lit the fuse of a bomb that will change the course of fashion's history, the aftershock of which we'll see in years to come. Some will resist that, but the shift is inevitable. Darwinian almost. In any case, you can rest assured, we have plenty to wear from Louis Vuitton, whatever happens. Louis Vuitton debut heralded a new era in luxury fashion. Where to begin with Pharrell's debut menswear show for Louis Vuitton, the flagship luxury house of the world's most powerful fashion conglomerate? Well, I could start by telling you about the clothes, but this show wasn't really about the clothes. It was about power. This was a ceremonial exchange of it between the world's richest family and one of the world's most prolific artists an exchange of dynastic old money Europe and modern-day black cultural capital, a meeting of hip-hop legends in monogram jackets and Parisian business tycoons in their navy suits. Pharrell is the latest addition to a stable of creative directors who define the work of the world's most aspirational businesses. He has indeed become the first musician-cum-designer at LVMH, bringing with him the kind of unparalleled cultural power that persuades Beyoncé to take a break from her world tour, sitting front row beside husband, Jay-Z, who performed after the show. Next to, a heavily pregnant Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, who show up halfway through and perch alongside editors. Just about every other A-list celebrity flew in and flew the flag for fashion's newly officiated marriage to the world of great entertainment. In one night, the typical pyramid of luxury houses, one of a kind couture at the top 
and mass-produced beauty at the bottom has well and truly been reversed, even it has been turning for quite some time. Now, mass appeal celebrity sits at the top of the triangle of desire and one-of-a-kind clothes form the 0.001% at the bottom. Gone are the days when household name celebrities simply went their name to mass-produced fashion lines. Last night's Louis Vuitton show was probably the most expensive production the company has ever staged, and that's really saying something. It started off with a simple boat tour. Guests arrived at the show via the Seine and Bateau Mouche as the sunset covered the sky with apricot hues. Upon entering Paris's oldest bridge, the Pont Neuf, you stepped onto a road entirely paved in dusky gold and set for the occasion. Paris never looks as beautiful in fact, and earlier in the day it was pouring down with rain. Usually this bridge is a road and rammed with traffic reading up to the Louis Vuitton headquarters. Last evening, however, it was transformed into Disneyland, complete with a giant Jayo Kushama looming over the background. An orchestra played instrumental versions of La Mer and La Vion Rose, as silver trays of Coca-Cola and Vivglico were served by liveried waiters. And just as there would later be berries in the collection, the kind that every American associates with Paris, there was also bombastic ostentation that every Parisian associated with Americans, on display and in full, full throttle. The symbolism of the Golden Bridge was not lost, even though if it was a little bit heavy-handed. In fashion's notorious, of course, circles, there had been scepticism about what this appointment means for traditional designers. However, the truth is that it doesn't change much because Pharrell is no ordinary pop star. He's a cultural icon. Sui Generis, who has worked with almost every major music artist and produced songs that you can sing without checking the lyrics. He's also a style icon, helping to shape the look of hip-hop over the last two decades. And his appointment heralds a new era and black cultural capital, which is being observed in through traditionally elitist European spaces. Since the beginning of his career, Pharrell has dabbled in fashion, and back in 2003 he formed the Billionaire Boys Club with Nijo, his creative kin, and now fellow LVMH designer in his role at Kenzo. That same year, Pharrell met Mark Jacobs, the then creative director of LV, who invited him to collaborate on a pair of sunglasses, which became a must-have for rappers. Funnily enough, a version of them can still be found in the house's stores all across the world. Over the years, he also became a poster boy for gender fluidity, long before it was marketing jargon. Just think back of how good he looked in Chanel. Hope you can join me for the next Fashion Mode show where I'll be critiquing Paris's Jewel in the Crown and one of the biggest weeks in French fashion, the Couture Week collections for autumn winter 23-24. With more details and features to follow, you can catch up with all the fashion news on forcmagazine.com.
and at Force Magazine on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also keep up to date with the latest shows directly from Mixcloud, Podbean and our official profiles on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and Deezer under Force Magazine. Until the next time, keep your fashion mode on.